Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Awesome. Y'all doing okay this morning? I want to jump straight in the word, if that's okay. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. And before we get into the text today, if you've got, if you've got a Bible or, or a digital Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Luke 13. That's where we're going to be landing the whole morning. Uh, but before we get into the kingdom of, of heaven, I, I believe that in Scripture it's very, very important that you understand the context in which something is written. And so before Jesus is about to teach these people about the kingdom of heaven, he's in a service just like this. It's called a synagogue. He's teaching a bunch of people. There were there were sinners, there were there were broken people, and then there was a bunch of religious people. Anybody ever met just a super religious person? Okay, I, I know that I have. And there, there were Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people. And uh, this lady walks in. So I want you to get a visual. It's this back door that a lady would walk in this room. She had been crippled, disabled for 18 years. And she walks down, she makes her way down, and Jesus leaves what he's doing. He's okay with an interruption. And he goes and he heals this lady. He heals her. And now I want you to take note that all of these religious people that thought they knew who God was, they got offended. Everybody say offended. Have you ever been offended? I, I know in 2020, there's a lot of people that have been offended. And they begin saying, you, you can't do this. And then Jesus turns to them. He's like the ultimate, like Jesus juker. Okay, I don't know if you know that, but Jesus, he kind of established that rule. And, and he turns to them and he says, don't you untie your donkey on a day of rest and lead the donkey to the water? And what he's saying is, hey, don't you move in action for your animals that you love? Why would I not help this lady and untie her? She's been bound by the enemy for 18 years, and I read that, and I started thinking, man, I believe that Jesus wants to do the same thing this morning. I believe that he wants to speak to you. I believe that he wants to encourage you where you're at, and he's saying this morning that he wants to untie you. Maybe you came in this morning and you have a mentality that has crippled you up to this point. Maybe you're filled with anxiety or maybe even religious thinking. And you can't go through Facebook or social media, Instagram, whatever, without having these thoughts about people. I wanna pray for you this morning. I believe God's gonna open our hearts. So if you would open your hands out in front of you just to posture to receive from the Lord. God, we love you. We welcome you into this place. We know that you've been here all morning preparing a way. And so God, I pray that you would speak through me and encourage every person in this room. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. Amen. Well, hey, are y'all doing okay this morning? Awesome. Well, my name is Seth. Uh, Bronson always calls me Stromboli. That is not my name, okay? Um, that is, my last name is Tomboli. It is Italian. It's kind of like a pasta. Um, and I have a beautiful wife, and her name is Kendra, and she is from the farm in Blyville, Arkansas. I used to have hair down to my shoulders. I had to cut it all off when I went home. I was just trying to win the approval of her parents. And we have a baby boy named Zane Isaiah, and he is, y'all, he is a stud. And uh, I sent Bronson and Callie a text this morning. Um, they have a daughter that is about the same age, and they graduate high school in 862 weeks. I'm keeping count, okay? And, uh, and unless he's homeschooled, I don't know. So, um, 
man, we, we are loving being parents. And, and I've been working on disciplining my son because I believe he needs to be disciplined. And y'all, my son, he will do something he's not supposed to do, and then he will begin spanking himself, okay? And so um, we believe in a little bit of a spanking, okay? If you didn't get spanked, it, you may understand why. I don't know. So, um, but man, I, I'm excited to be here this morning. I love your pastors. I love the Dukes, man. I love the team that is here, the leaders, the people that serve to pull this thing off every single week. And so would y'all give it up for your pastors and your leaders really quick? I, I love them. I'm excited today to talk about the, uh, the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of a, when you hear the kingdom of heaven, that's a big, that's a big thought. It's a big idea. And uh, when I first started thinking of it, I was like, man, I don't even know how to go about this. And, and the more that I prayed about it and looked at this passage in Luke 13, and if you're not there, you can go ahead and get there. It's going to be on the screens if you want to read it there. But I realized that Jesus, he, he needed a minute, okay? He had just got done dealing with all these religious people all these people, and he was, he was teaching on the Sabbath, and these people were so offended. And what Jesus did is he was about to put out into the lake, to, and it, he was getting away from the crowd. Have you ever needed a minute? Anybody in here, you just need a minute. If you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. You just need a minute. Maybe you show up to work, and somebody has just made you mad, and it's just 7.30 a.m., okay? You just need a minute. Well, in, in Jesus' day, it, it was hard for him to just have a minute for himself, because people wanted to follow him wherever he would go. He, he just needed a minute. So he, he goes out and he puts out in a, a little boat and all these people start gathering around him. And I want to just point out that anytime large crowds gathered around Jesus, he never preached a message that would try to get them to come back. He would try to sort out who was the real followers and who wasn't who was really going to put faith in him and who was just going to kind of go through the motions and say that I am a follower of God. And he begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven. I find it very interesting. The kingdom of heaven, it means the rule or the reign of God. The rule and the reign of God. And in Matthew 6, we pray this. We say, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we, we pray this. I used to pray this before baseball games. I had no idea what I was praying, okay? This was before I was a Christian. I was just saying the Lord's Prayer, and I would say it all the time. I had no idea who I was praying to. And, and anyways, what we are saying in the Lord's Prayer is, hey, God, will you come reign here as you do in heaven? And would y'all agree in 2020, we need God to reign here as he is reigning in heaven. And, and so I've been praying that, that heaven would touch earth and that we would experience the Lord. But I want to encourage you, the way that the earth experiences the Lord is through you. It's through the church. It's, it's through believers. So if you're not there yet, turn to Luke 13. We're going to be in verse 18 through 21. This is what it says. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? Is it a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted it in his garden? It grew and it became a tree. And then the birds perched in its branches. And again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? Is it like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough? Now, when you first hear that, it's like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? This is what he's saying. When he's talking about the mustard seed, you need to know that Je Jesus was living in a farming culture. He, he was living amongst people who, they, they were farmers, they were farming the land, and everyone knew about the mustard plant, Okay. I'm not talking about mustard, all right? You're thinking about a cheeseburger later on today. I'm talking about a mustard seed that is going to grow into a tree. What these people knew 
is that a mustard seed was very small. I've actually got one up here with me just to kind of give you an idea. This is a little glass vase. There's a mustard seed in here. You could barely see it. If I held it on the end of my finger, you would barely be able to see it. You probably couldn't see it from where you're at. And it's a great perspective because these people knew that what started very small was going to grow into something big. It was going to be about 8 to 12 feet tall. And Now, Jesus wasn't saying this is going to be the biggest tree. What he was saying is that something that will start very small will grow and become bigger. And then he goes on and, and talks about yeast. And normally in the Bible, the word yeast is a negative term. It, it explains evil or uncleanliness. And in this passage, it explains healthy growth. And I'm not, I'm not good with like cooking and baking and all that kind of stuff. We could, I got stories for days about that. But I know that it is a minor ingredient, yeast is, that works through a whole, a whole uh, lo loaf of bread. And, and if you've got a little bit of yeast, it will make the dough what? Rise. And I think he's trying to show us something. So I, I want to slow down for a second and make sure you got this before we hit full speed into this text. The point that Luke was trying to get across was that to get the fulfillment of God's kingdom here on earth, it would start small and it would grow into something big. Jesus' ministry, it started very small. I don't know if you know this, but the 12 disciples, a lot of people try to build a business or build an organization and they want to start big. Jesus modeled in a very good way. I'm going to teach 12 people and a couple of them ended up just betraying and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? He said, I'm going to equip these people, and they're going to flip the world upside down for the name of Jesus. And so he starts with the disciples, and, and most people will look at this, and they will say, there's not a lot of momentum. And if you're a leader or you build things and, and you're a business leader, whatever it may be, you know that momentum is important. Would you agree? It's important to have momentum. But what he was saying is that this moment right now doesn't define the momentum that will begin after I equip these guys. And so the, the gospel starts moving forward. And what's crazy is we're sitting in a room today. And we are byproducts of these men and women, their faithfulness. The, the people that were faithful with the gospel. Think about all the churches in the world. Real quick. There's a lot of churches just in Little Rock. Would you all agree? Like right down the street. You could go down the street. Around, there's tons of churches. There's small groups. People that have been martyred for their faith. Books that have been written about Jesus. What we need to know today, and you got to get this, I want you to write this down on your forehead, on your heart, whatever you got to do, God can do a lot with a little. Turn to, your, turn to the person next to you and say, God can do a lot with a little. Turn to the other person, because they don't believe you, okay, and say, God can do a lot with a little. Some of you were telling yourself, you're like, God can do a lot with a little, right? Now, if you're like me, you may feel like you don't have a lot to offer God. I know that your boy is jacked up, okay? Like, I was just telling Bronson, like, I can't believe that God chose me to be able to encourage people because uh, if you know my story, you know that God took something that was very messed up and he, he, he encouraged me. I stepped out in faith. He healed me. He called me out of darkness into the light. And now this is, this is what I do. I encourage people. I thought I was going to be a baseball coach. He was like, no, you're going to be a, a people coach, okay? You're going to share the love of Jesus. Some of you in this room, you, you don't feel confident enough. You think that your past has defined you so you can't step out into what God wants you to do. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not connected enough. I'm, I'm not wise enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Seth, I don't know enough about the Bible. Me either. Welcome to the club. 
Well, Seth, I'm not a good leader. I'm not even a good follower. I don't even have a lot of money to give. Y'all, listen, God wants you to know this morning, I believe this is going to encourage some people, God can do a lot with a little. He can do a lot with a little. And this is what the enemy wants you to believe. And I want to speak against it right now before before we really dive into this thing. He wants you to believe that if you had more, you could do more. Anybody ever believed that before? I know I have. If you had more, you could do more. If you had more confidence, Seth, you could really step out in faith and do something for the Lord. Hey, Seth, if you, if you had more knowledge of the Bible, people would want to listen to you. If you had more money, then maybe God would bless you. If you had more charisma, maybe you could love people more. We fall into the trap thinking that if I had more, I could do more. Can I encourage you this morning? You have what you need. You have what you need this morning. I want to show you what God wants to do with it because in the hands of God, nothing is little. So you may be asking the question, well, Seth, how does the kingdom of heaven work? How does the kingdom of heaven work? And and this is what I believe I'm supposed to tell you this morning is that you have to have kingdom thinking. You have to have kingdom thinking, a kingdom mindset. The first thing I want you to write down is that it starts small. It starts small. Small. So we've got to know that it starts small. I, I believe that um, what I'm holding is valuable. This is Mr. Goodbar, by the way. The prices have gone up on candy bars, by the way. I hadn't bought one in a long time. Now, when you see this candy bar, what would you say this is worth? Just say a number. 50 cents, a dollar, 219 actually, okay? I was like, man, y'all trying to rip a brother off. What is going on? Now, in the hands of anyone else, this is worth, you know, a couple bucks. But in the hands of of Seth, when he was 11 years old, this is worth a couple thousand dollars. Okay? Some of y'all are going to get ideas from this. I used to, in middle school, in junior high, I had a business. I've always been an entrepreneur. I would go into middle school, and, and I would sell candy. My mom had us do chores. Anybody ever do chores growing up? Okay? If you don't, you know. Okay, um, make your kids do chores, make them wash the dishes. So my mom, would, she would have a list of things that we were responsible for doing, and we would do these things. My brother was mischievous, Ricky. He's a youth pastor at our Cabot campus. He didn't steward his money well. That's a whole different story. But anyways, my mom would give us an allowance. If you have received an allowance, you know when you receive an allowance, you've got a decision to make. What am I going to spend my money on? Well, me, being a, a business-minded person that I've been at age 10 and 11, I'm going to Sam's Club, Okay. Anybody like Sam's Club? So I would go to Sam's Club, and I found out at a young age that I can get 30 of these for about 10 bucks. Hmm. So if I sell 30 candy bars, and I started out with 10, I'm probably going to make about 30 bucks. I'll probably give one to my friend, 29 bucks, you know. Trade it for a pencil at school if I forget mine. And what ended up happening is I would carry two backpacks to school. I would have my books in one and my candy in the other, Okay. Some would say I was a modern-day hustler, all right? Now, I, this, this thing ended up to, to grow, and, and what happened was I got called to the office one day. Sorry about that, worship team. I got called to the office one day, and, and they said, Seth, you've got to shut your business down. My, my, your, whole, your whole candy operation is, is taking money from the school. Y'all, li- literally, I was coming to school with 100 candy bars, gum, Skittles. I was slinging it, Okay. And, and people knew me as the candy man, all right? So, like, that was, that, that's how I roll, just letting you into my life, okay? And uh, some of you are like, I'm going to start selling candy. You're going to get arrested. Don't go to schools and do that, okay? We're going to see you on the news, all right? 
Now, what's interesting is uh, the lady thought she would shut the operation down, but I just started selling erasers and pencils and beating the teacher's prices, okay? So anyways, what I want you to know is that when I was young, I learned that if I take care of the little that has been placed in my hand, that if I would be faithful with little, that it would grow to much. Now, I don't want to make this about money, but I started a business when I was in college. I'm going to start making wooden tables and, and signs, and when some people see a stack of wood, they see a stack of wood. That can make a fire. I'm like, that can make some money. And so I would build things. I started a leather business. Well, if I have a whole hide of leather, what people see is, well, that's $100 at the store. I'm going to turn it into $2,000. Some of you are like, man, okay. What you've got to know is that, that if, you, if you are faithful with the little that is in your hand, it could grow to much. Now, if you put a basketball in my hand, it's worth exactly what it is, okay? It's worth $18, and when it gets in the hands of Seth, it's probably worth less, okay? Like, I need to return it. My wife beat me in basketball on our first date. Whole different story. But if you place that basketball in the hands of a baller, Michael Jordan, okay, it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, what you need to know is that something's value is determined by whose hands it's in. I'll say it this way, that, that its value is predetermined by who is holding it. I want to ask you today, who, who's, whose hands is your life in? Is it in the hands of God? Because I read a story when I first gave my life to God in, the, in New Life Church about nine years ago uh, about this guy named Jesus he shows up on the scene. There was all these hungry people, 5,000 plus, and he sees a little kid. And I pulled up to the curb today and saw the, the two fish and loaves thing, and I was like, this is crazy. This is literally what I'm going to talk about. And he takes a little bit of food. The boy hands it and puts it in the hands of God, and what was little turns to what? Much. And not only did they eat, but they ate. <laughs> and they had more than enough. I realize when you exchange what is in your hands into the hands of God, it can grow. It can grow. Some of you in this room, you're holding so tightly onto something this morning, and you've been begging the Lord to bless it and grow it, but what you need to realize this morning is that you're still holding on to it. And so let's, let's release some things to God. Jesus starts with 12 men. Uh, the apostle Paul was killing Christians, a dark past. If you've ever discredited yourself, just read about Paul. He was broken. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament, planted around 14 churches. David's ministry, he started with a slingshot and some rocks and a couple armpit hairs, okay? Like, you keep going. David's ministry, Moses, he started with a shepherd's staff. The widow in 2 Kings had a little bit of oil. She trusted God with it, and, and he blessed her family. He, he multiplied it. We've, maybe you've heard this in, in Zechariah 4.10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices, y'all get this, in seeing the work begin. I want to pause real quick because maybe you're in this room and, and, and you can't move forward because you've been complaining about what God is rejoicing about. He's saying, I just want to rejoice about seeing this thing begin. Some of you are like, well, Seth, I've been trying to start this thing for like four or five years. Every day is a new day. Every day is day one. Every day is a beginning for you to be obedient to the Lord. I believe that God wants you to know this morning that if he can trust you with little, he, he can trust you with much. It says in Luke 16, 
Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very much. God can do a lot with a little. If you don't believe me, Matthew 17, verse 20, it says you don't have enough faith. Well, Seth, doesn't that contradict what you just said? Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Uh, just, just so you know, New Life Church started really small. Uh, pastor Rick and Michelle Bizet, our, our founding pastors, and a couple other people moved to Arkansas, and they, like, he did not like Arkansas, still, still, you know, still has opinions about the athletic teams here. And, and they moved here. They would invite people into their home. They would talk about God. They were inviting strangers to church. They were having little coffee and dessert hangouts. And, and, and this thing began to grow. I think I started coming around like four campuses or something like that. And, and when Heber Springs planted, Pastor James from that campus would drive all the way to Conway on Saturday night. He would get a recording of the, the teaching he would on DVD, by the way. If you don't know what a DVD is, just know that it did exist. Okay. And he would take it all the way back to Heber Springs. They would watch it as a church. And y'all, it's crazy to think that last year, 2019, at our church's peak, there was 38,000 people at the campuses of New Life Church in Arkansas. It's crazy to think God can do a, a, a lot with a little. God can do a lot with a little bit of faith. I'm not talking about just your, your finances. I'm talking about humility. With just a little bit of humility, God could transform your workplace. With just a little bit of obedience and, and, and submission and surrender, these are words we don't really like in 2020, availability. God is just looking for some people to say, I'm available. We've got a serve training this afternoon, 115, and it's going to be epic. It's going to be awesome, and, and you're going to be equipped and, and motivated to serve in this church. Maybe you're like, I don't have anything to offer. You got just what you need. You got just what you need. Nothing is small in the kingdom of heaven. It grows into something bigger. Now, now, I want you to get this. Some people give up on the big thing that God has put in their heart because it doesn't look like the seed that's been placed in their hand. Moses is like, how am I going to do these things? And God's like, I, I gave you exactly what you needed. And we, we have a list of excuses. We, we, we say things like this. Oh, I'm just a waitress or I'm just a waiter. Oh, it's just a, a part-time job. I'm, I'm just serving in the church. It goes on. I, I'm just not good enough. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a nurse. I'm just a dropout. Y'all, God doesn't just create you. <laughs> I'll say it again. God didn't just create you on accident. He breathed life and purpose into you. And I believe this morning that some of you are going to activate that thing again. And tomorrow you get a decision, am I going to start this thing? Am I going to rejoice about what God is rejoicing? And I'll even say this, eliminate the word just from your vocabulary, okay? Because God wants to do abundantly more than you think you're capable of doing. In yourself, he wants to reach people through you. I believe a lot of people talk themselves out of the dreams that God's given them because it doesn't look like what they think it should look like yet. Be faithful. The second thing is it expands invisibly. I love this. It expands invisibly. When something is planted... It grows. Now, I don't have a green thumb. I actually kill the majority of the plants that I plant, okay? Anybody else, okay? I'm not very good at this, but what you need to know is there's a significant difference between something that is, is growing underground and something that is buried. Something that is planted is intended to grow. Something that is buried in the culture we live in today is because it is dead. 
Some of you think just because you haven't seen that thing sprouting that it's dead. It's not. It's growing. You just can't see that it's growing. This week, I walked out into the garage. I'm a pretty crafty, handy man, I like to think. And um, I walked out in the garage, and I've always got a mess in the garage. We're renovating a home. Don't recommend it to anybody. Um, and I walked out in the garage. It's dark. It's around 5 a.m. I'm getting a bottle of water, and, and I had a shop broom laying on the ground. I've only seen this happen in cartoons. And I, I stepped on the bristle side of that shop broom, and that mug hit me square in the forehead, okay? And, <laughs> and I got sensitive skin, so I had a whelp, okay? And, and I had this huge whelp. I thought somebody punched me in the face, like, and I'm like, dear Lord. So I showed up to the office. I think it was on Tuesday. And everybody's like, what's on your face? And I'm like, shut up. You know, like this thing hit me in the face. What you need to know is I didn't see it, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't there. It was there. I can assure you of that. And I had a bruise to prove it. You know, it was there. I believe a lot of people don't see what God's doing underneath the surface. And so they give up. They stop feeding the thing that God has called you to feed. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, that if we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What you need to know is that unseen, it means that it's not evident. It's not directly evident. It's not easily to notice. I, y'all, I, I, I'm in student ministry. And so I have high school students all the time. They're like, well, Seth, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. Have y'all heard that before? I'll believe it when I, what, see it? Well, let me tell you, that's a bad kingdom mindset. Because I used to think this, I would tell students, you know when you're in an elevator or when somebody walks past you in class and you smell something, you know you just got crop dusted? <laughs> you can't see it, but you know it happened, right? You can, you can take wind, for example, the movement of air. You can see what it's moving. It's not always evident that air is present, but we wouldn't be alive if it wasn't. It's in our lungs. It's causing us to breathe, to inhale and exhale. Airbags, we trust in faith that they are in the car, like it says that they are. That when we get into a wreck, this thing is going to help me. We're putting faith in something we can't see. Just because it's unseen does not mean it's not there. I believe that God wants to encourage you this morning. A lot of people believe God's not moving in 2020. A lot of people are like, Seth, where's your God? Where's your set? Where, where's the church? Churches are shutting down. People have been losing their minds. We're, we're facing the most racial tension we've ever seen in my lifetime. People are like, where is God? Can I look at you boldly in the face and say he chose you? He chose you to represent him in your workplace. He chose you in the back. In the sound booth, he put you there. In, in the families in here, he's called your kids to do something great for the kingdom of heaven. What you need to know is that the kingdom of God didn't stop. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not canceled. He is moving. We, we sing this song, Waymaker. I'm not gonna sing it because y'all would leave the church. <laughs> Miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. But then it says, even when I don't see it, what? You're working. And so for anyone that believes in this room because you can't see it, it's not happening. I, I want to tell you it's moving. God is growing that thing. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my, my brothers and my sisters, stand firm. Put, put a stake in the ground and say, this is where I'm standing. I'm not moving from this place until God moves me. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can I encourage you? 
Most of the things you do for God in your life are unseen. All the husbands and wives being, being faithful to each other, we don't see that. All the parents disciplining their kids, I see sometimes in Walmart, okay, but most of the time we don't see that. The studying, the, the, uh, the, the being generous, the speaking life into the people in your workplace, praying for revival, loving your neighbor. Well, we don't see it, but God is moving. The last thing with kingdom thinking is that it grows naturally. It starts small, it expands invisibly, and it grows naturally. Everybody say natural. I'm not a natural guy. I like Oreos, okay? Like, you know, I like a little snack every now and then, but you need to know that anything that is healthy grows. But what I've learned living for God is that anything that is unhealthy is capable of growing too. Sometimes even at a faster rate. I, I, I made note that unhealthy things kill kingdom growth. Unhealthy things kill kingdom growth. Can I encourage you? I wanna challenge you real quick. Y'all, we gotta stop complaining. There are believers looking into our lives saying, well, if that's what a believer looks like, I don't want that. Some of us are complaining because the thing in our heart doesn't look like the thing in our hand, but we, we have to know that if we're faithful with little, God will entrust us with much. We, we gotta stop complaining. We gotta stop fighting with each other. We're fighting not against flesh and blood, not against humans. We're fighting against the principalities of this world. God is saying, hey, stop fighting each other. Y'all are on the same team. The, the second thing I thought about is that we complicate what it means to follow God. Jesus came to abolish the religion. He said, I want to simplify it for you. Love me and love some people. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just follow me. Acknowledge that I'm the savior of the world. We, we have to stop complicating what Jesus simplified. And the last thing is that we have to stop comparing. Anybody ever struggle with comparison? I've struggled with it. Social media, it glorifies everybody's life. Y'all ever realize this? On social media, Instagram, Facebook, Tic Tac, Tickety Talk, whatever, whatever you got, okay? Some Tic Tacs, huh? a lot of people need them with the face mask, you know? Instagram and Facebook show part of the story. Oh, I missed out on the party. You didn't see what happened after the party. Like, like listen, like, look at this nice decorated home. And you're scrolling, why doesn't my house look like that? That house doesn't always look that Pinteresting, okay? Like, I promise you didn't see the chaos that happened before that picture was taken and posted. We, we, we compare, we, we look at the family picture, it's like my kids can't stand still for three seconds. You didn't see the whippings that happened before it. Comparing our vehicles, like, why can't I have this car? You don't see the debt. Why can't I have this vacation? You don't see what, what it took to get to this place. Can we stop comparing? I, I used my holy imagination this week and I started thinking, what if, what if David in the Bible had Instagram and he's about to go defeat Goliath. God has called him to defeat Goliath and he starts scrolling through the feed. He's like, I don't have that kind of shield. <laughs> he had a slingshot and a couple, couple rocks. Well, I, I don't have what they have. I don't have what King Saul has. This is all I've got. That's the trap of comparing. I started thinking about it, and I, I was like, man, if, if David was crippled with comparison, he would have never defeated the giant. I'll say it this way. The, the giant would still be standing in his life. So I want to ask you a question before we, we pray. Is there a giant that is still standing in your life that's keeping you from the kingdom of God? That thing you, you keep going back to that God is like, hey, just, just trust me and follow me. 
Is there a giant that is still standing in your life because you think you need more of something to be able to defeat it? Can I tell you that Jesus is enough? God is enough. If you would, across the room, bow your heads. The, the mustard seed grows naturally. The yeast works naturally within the dough. Y'all, the kingdom of God works naturally. It is spreading, it is growing, and even though we can't see it, it's working. Even though we get discouraged by what's happening in the world around us, you need to know the kingdom of God is moving forward. As your eyes are closed across the room, I just want you to be able to search yourself this morning and invite, man, invite God into your life to start leading you in the workplace, leading you in your family. And I wanna pray for you right now across the room, every head bowed, eyes closed. I just want you to know God is so proud of you. He loves you. But he, not, he doesn't just want to be the savior of your life. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to direct your steps. So right now, with no one looking around, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. But what I, what I will say is I want you right there in your seat to be bold in your faith. And I want you to pray this. Say, God, you can use me. I'll cross through and say, God, you can use me. The world is dark, but I want to be a light. I wanna pray for you. Lord, we love you so much and I thank you for today, God. I pray that this encourages people that it's okay to start small. That's how the kingdom of God works. I pray that they would realize that it's growing invisibly. Even though I can't see it, I know that you're working and God, it grows naturally. You're doing your work regardless of our perspective. You're doing your work regardless of what's happening around us. But God, we invite you into our life Jesus, we recognize you died on a cross for our sins so that we could not only inherit eternal life, but that we could represent you well on this earth. People need Jesus. We want to be that light in the darkness. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody says amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.